Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we are talking the top 10 storylines of Week 10, everybody. It is wild. We've already gotten to this point. It wasn't that long ago that we were even wondering, would there be an NFL season? There has. It's been fantastic, and we got plenty of time still to go, everyone. So, like I said, top 10 storylines for the week, and I have an incredibly special guest to accomplish this goal with me, NFL Insider for ESPN and co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. You already know I'm one of the best dudes in this entire industry, Field Yates. Field, thank you so much for time man happy week 10 happy week 10 and you're right i think that i think everything you said leading up to that is important like on the one hand it feels like the nfl season is flying by because it's already week 10 on the other hand when i wake up on tuesday mornings i usually have a sigh of relief that we've gotten through one more week right i think we're hopeful that by 2021 when that season starts things will be back to normal and we won't have to wake up on sunday mornings wondering whether Schefter had tweeted that a game is going to be potentially postponed but for now, as much as we enjoy those Sundays and the Monday Night Football as well, there is this weight lifted off your shoulders each and every Tuesday when you wake up and you say, all right, one more in the books, a little bit closer to the playoffs and hopefully some fantasy championships as well. Yeah, man, it's not, nothing worse. I wake up, cross my fingers, scroll through the push notifications and just pray that, you know, guys are staying healthy out there. Unfortunately, you okay. just broke some news about Miko Hardman being added to that list. So everyone, if you do not follow Field already, please do. Truly one of the most useful people in the industry at Field Yates. I'm sure you already do, but just in the case that some of you don't, uh, it will help you guys try to become fa- better fantasy football players, which is always our goal here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it, man. So storyline number one, Man, I I cannot go more than one podcast episode without tilting about J.D. McKissick's role. I've been an Antonio Gibson believer all season, and it's just not happening, man. So, look, good thing happens when he gets the ball, but here we are a week after the football team's bye, and it does not appear true workhorse role is on the horizon. How are you treating this backfield moving forward with Alex Smith seemingly under center the rest of the way? Yeah, I'm sure there was a time early in the season, I'm sure you were there too, where uh, Antonio Gibson was basically a roster lock for me, probably wound up somewhere in – like the eight to 16 range for my weekly running back rankings, you know, good matchup, whether it was Dallas or something like that might push him towards that eight range in a more difficult matchup. You think to yourself, well, at least the volume is still there. At least you hope the volume is still there. One thing that I've talked about uh, for a while now, and I'm sure it's something that you know as well. And I think a lot of our listeners hopefully are aware of is that I think there's a bigger disconnect in terms of the traits that coaches value in fantasy football, I'm sorry, that they value real value in real football for running backs than what we value in fantasy football, right? So we're sitting here considered uh, concerned about whether Antonio Gibson's good, uh, you know, is a good receiver, whether he's good after contact, whether he's the kind of guy that can take a, you know, a three-yard cloud of dust run and turn it into a 13 or a 30-yard cloud of dust run. Um, but coaches are more concerned with things like you know, monitoring a player's endurance during a game, whether or not a player is reliable as a pass protector, whether a guy knows what he's doing every single snap or not. And it feels like some of that's catching up to Antonio Gibson just a little bit. And it shouldn't surprise us, right? The guy was a wide receiver full-time at Memphis, a couple carries here or there uh, during his time in college, but he is converting to running back or still converting during his rookie season. Jaden McKissick, the kind of guy that stuck around in the NFL for two reasons. One, he can catch passes. Two, he's reliable. You kind of know what you're going to get, and he's going to give you exactly what you expect out of him every single play. So until further notice, unless something dramatically changes, like Antonio Gibson's like a low-end RB2 for me, and J.D. McKissick is going to sort of slot into a flex option. If you look at his past five games, four games with just receiving yardage alone, PPR scoring, 10 fantasy points. So you kind of know what the floor is weekly with J.D. McKissick. 
it's insane, man. Over these past uh, you know month or so, only Alvin Kamara has been get, being used more as a receiver at the position. And yeah, to your point, I've been floating around this stat where they actually haven't asked McKissick to pass block more than five snaps in a game. But you know, you got chips that turn into routes and stuff like that. I think you're right about you know just they were they trust him and they rely on him and they need to trust him more than ever with Alex Smith under center. So you know it it is one of these things where Gibson and they they talked about this earlier in the season where I think uh, early on in camp we were hoping he would get those kind of wide receiver reps play this you know cool Percy Harvin dual threat role but they almost dialed it back because they want him to just focus on being the running back so you know it's still a high ceiling I still think he's someone you want to keep on the roster you know moving forward but at least in the near future man it's not looking like that true three down role is coming is it have we reached the point yet where we should be ranking McKissick ahead of Gibson or you're still holding steady with Gibson no it's getting damn close so (laughs) by the way and I I I feel personally, and I don't want this to come across as somebody who doesn't have like respect for the process, but I've always viewed ranks as more tiers than ranks, right? Yeah. So like when people ask me, you know, I'm just making this up here, like, would, I, would you rather play, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon or Damian Harris this week if he's healthy? And you're sort of sitting there thinking to yourself like, you know, like Melvin has more volume as a pass catcher. I think, you know, maybe Damian Harris has showed me a bit more as a runner recently. Like I might have them, let's just say like, 22 and 25 in my rankings like at that point I'm sort of telling you it's basically a coin flip so on McKissick and Gibson while maybe they're like six or seven slots apart in terms of rankings I look at them like this if you need if you need eight or ten points McKissick's the guy if you are looking for 16 to 20 points you take Gibson or you're playing Gibson and that's why I rank them you know slightly higher understanding that if one of them is going to give you like a 4.1 point effort it's going to end up being most likely Antonio Gibson so it's a little bit for sort of a philosophy thing, if that makes sense. No, I, I think you're spot on, man. Like rankings at the end of the day, you want to, if you if you want to be good at your rankings, you're try, trying to get a good median projection, but we got to consider ceilings and floors and stuff. And obviously the matchups. Sure. So great point there. All right. Storyline number two. Now we got another annoying backfield with it, with a, you know, t- rookie back that we thought was really talented. Jonathan Taylor fumbled last week after they were really trying to force feed him the ball to start that game kind of sort of bench. Although we had coach Frank Wright come out later and say that, you know, he still has plenty of confidence and not only Taylor, but Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins as well. So sure. looks like a three back committee here moving forward. Are you comfortable starting any of these guys against the Titans on Thursday night? Because we got that awesome offensive line, but man, the touches are so hard to come by. Yeah. And also that offensive line is still awesome, but I think they would accept that this year they have not blocked as well in the running game as they have in previous seasons. And I don't, I don't know what you can pinpoint that on. It might be matchups. It might be nothing. It might just be guys are not performing collectively as well as they were last year. But I don't feel comfortable starting any of them now. Uh, I don't think it's any question or debate who the best runner is out of that group. It's Jonathan Taylor, and I don't think it's particularly close. I always wonder, though, so Jonathan Taylor came out of Wisconsin with historical production, literally, right? Uh, Great workouts during the combine. I think he tested at like 4.39 or something. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, if a guy at 4.39 with awesome size – He's like 6'2", 215 pounds in the pre-draft process. Unbelievable production. And I get it, college defensive, college uh, defenses are not facing the NFL defenses. But still, like what was it that caused Jonathan Taylor to slide to the early portion of the second round, but still to the second round? And maybe and I don't have a great reason of what it is, whether it's the Colts just feel like there's something to be said for a committee, whether they, which again, we were talking about how coaches value things much differently in fantasy than we do in, uh, or I should say again, in real football than we do in fantasy football, but it's obvious that they are a committee right now. And it's also obvious 
uh, that that could change very much in the course of a game. It's not like we go into the game with an idea of like in a perfect world, we're running JT for, you know, 18 to 20 touches and, and Jordan's our five to six carry guy. It's more like we're going to go into this game. I think Jonathan Taylor gets the early work. And then I think from there, all bets are off. So to put a bow on the original answer, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable starting any of them. Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, or Jonathan Taylor, but I, until like Jordan Wilkins starts the game, dominates touches and does it for probably like two straight games. I'm going to keep ranking Jonathan Taylor highest amongst all Colts backs. I am with you, man. Yeah. Good point on the Colts offensive line. They actually ranked 17th in yards before contact uh, per rush this year. Not awful, but not, you know, the world beaters that we thought they might be going into right. this year. So Marlon Mack gets hurt in week one. And I just want to quickly go through their games because they blow out the Vikings. They blow out the Jets. They pretty much blow out the Bears. Got The Bears got a late touchdown to make it look closer. They face the Browns and Bengals, go down multiple scores in the first half. And they blow out the Lions and then they lose by multiple scores to Ravens. We truly just have not seen like a neutral game script out of the Colts since week one. And because of that, it's become either Jordan Wilkins in the fourth quarter or comeback mode and Naeem Hines. So, yeah, I mean, look, we can't confidently start any of these guys, but I still maintain if you had to pick one the rest of the season, I think it'd still be Jonathan Taylor, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can eliminate Naeem Hines because the minute you buy into him after two touchdowns, he'll, of course, <laughs> have like two touches the next game, right? So, um, and I actually like the player. Like, he's a solid NFL player. He's just not a fantasy asset. And then with Jordan Wilkins, not only do I think that he's second in line for touches, most likely, I think the skill set's solid. I don't think it's spectacular, right? And I think that's there's one guy who has a chance to have a spectacular skill set in that skill set in that background. You know, it's funny as we think about this, there's so much data, and you've got people like yourself who are so like ardently and passionately following these players week in and week out and doing a great job, not just analytically, but you know, watching tape and putting together cutups, as I always see from you, that are so informative. And yet sometimes I end up defaulting back to like pretty simple things like which of these guys do I think is good and who has the chance to be good and get touches. You multiply those two together and you land on Jonathan Taylor, even if there's a lot of evidence in other ways to push back on that narrative and say, maybe it's, you know, maybe you should just avoid entirely, which that might be where we're at within another couple of weeks. Truly, man. I know people like to hang their hat a little bit on some of these advanced metrics with uh, Jordan Wilkins, breaks a lot of tackles per rush. Jonathan Taylor is averaging more yards per carry, more yards per target than Jordan Wilkins over the year. I know those aren't the best stats, but this is not some wide golf. I know uh, your coworker, uh, Mike Clay, is one of the resonant Jordan Wilkins truthers, but I'm with you, man. I do think it is Jonathan Taylor. All right, another backup we got moving around. Storyline number three, we got Nick Chubb seemingly back in action this week. So Kareem Hunt has put together, you know, solid production, not great. uh, But, you know, when they were both active earlier this year, we we did see him have some uh, pretty great production despite Chubb uh, kind of leading the way. So I've been looking at this backfield and my first instinct was that no, you know, this hurts both guys being back. The volume's not going to be there, but man, you look at the second half schedule for the Browns and I think Chubb and Hunt could kind of both slide in as weekly top 15, top 16 backs. How are you approaching them this week and beyond? It's exactly where I'm going to have them. Nice. because. And first of all, people, I think hopefully, again, I know that a lot of the listeners here are like, these are not, you know, first timers, they're passionate fantasy football players who know that running back depth is just disgusting. Like I, I don't enjoy ranking like basically any running back past like, I don't know, RB 12 each week. So, but you know, what's interesting is that if you look at the splits and these are probably a sample size issue too, but if you look at Kareem Hunt's production with Nick Chubb in the lineup versus without Nick Chubb in the lineup, while his volume went up, his output did not go up. As a matter of fact, he's averaged more points per game with Nick Chubb in the fold 
than without. Again, tiny sample size there, so I don't think that it's necessarily a predictive stat going forward, but it's evidence that um, you know, he can be, there have been instances where he was useful in uh, a non, or with Nick Chubb in the lineup. And if you think back to how I believe the Browns uh, used him more with Nick Chubb versus without Nick Chubb is he was much more involved. I'm not talking about pure passing game volume. We're talking about the way they use him as a passer, like split out wide, playing the slot, a guy that if you think back to some of his, one of his early touchdowns in the year, I believe it was like a, almost like a tear screen at like the four yard line where he's like lined up as that perimeter wide receiver at the snap makes a 90 degree rotation line of scrimmage. Baker Mayfield zips him the football. He just, you know, avoids one defender and it's a score. And you're thinking to yourself, like if that was Odell or Jarvis, that would be a very normal play call. It looks a little bit abnormal because it's Kareem Hunt. Anyways, again, both of these guys, very viable, um, probably going to be high end and, medium range RB2 for me with Chubb probably leading the way, but it could, you know, with, with Hunt's involvement in the passing game, you could flip flop them, but both very useful. I think both in your lineups every single week. I remember the exact play you're talking about, man. Yeah. It's like, you don't see running backs making those sorts of routes on the outside, unless we're looking at Austin Eckler or McCaffrey, one of these guys yeah. hunt truly is in that range as a receiving back. And yeah, man, look this week against the Texans, we know that's a great matchup, but even going to championship Sunday, Eagles, Jaguars, Titans, Ravens, Giants, Jets. If we get, so if we get super positive game script, okay. They'll bring in Kareem hunt for, you know, extra like mop up duty in the fourth. And even if it goes negative, okay. He's the pass down back, go to the well with both of these guys moving forward. Field, now I'm going to put you on the spot, man. So here's the situation. Aliens invade tomorrow and force us to play a game of football to decide the fate of humanity. You are tasked with choosing the starting running back. Current injuries apply, so Saquon, CMC, out of the picture. Are we picking Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, or Alvin Kamara to get the majority of touches in the game to decide whether or not the human race ceases to exist? Yeah, how about this? Alvin Kamara. And, you know, Dalvin Cook might, you know, and I wouldn't actually be opposed to Dalvin Cook you know what? Let me think about this for a second. I'm going to eliminate Derrick Henry. And here's the reason why. And I love Derrick Henry. I love him with my whole heart. And he has done a lot of good for us in a lot of ways. He's won us a lot of fantasy championships, put some money in people's pockets. But I, and I don't want this to come across as a total indictment. But remember the AFC championship game last year when the Chiefs were up by 10 points in the fourth quarter? Do you know who Ryan Tannehill lined up next to? Because it wasn't Derrick Henry. It was Deion Lewis. Like, think about that. So if this game, if we fall behind, you know, even if we play good defense, but we give up a couple of goofy special teams plays, Right away, we are turning things around and we are having to, you know, throw the football a ton. And Derrick Henry is just not the same class as Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. The way Dalvin is running right now is stupid. The amount of making miss ability we have, uh, he has right now is ridiculous. Uh, incredibly explosive. The contract looks like a bargain right away. And I'm not a, a pay running backs person. So um, I'm going to defer to Alvin Kamara for one simple reason. Just that, like, I think that comprehensive skill set expanding to the passing game gives him a bit of an edge but it's I mean Dalvin I, I hate that I have to choose someone who's not Dalvin Cook right now when it comes to running back play the season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app with so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer if you haven't tried the app yet head to the app store now because you do not want to miss this people to celebrate Sunday's action DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100 that's right you bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting additionally this weekend there is plenty of action to get on so head to the app now to 
to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odd, odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, some people out there might say, hey, you know, is Derrick Henry even on Team Human or is he actually just an alien in and of himself? He is an but alien. <laughs> I'm with you with Kamara, man. You would man. say, though, by the way, if it's Kamara in the all-white St. Unis with hey. a black visor, then it's not really a competition. You know that. You know that better than anybody. First team all swag, man. You said it yourself. And yeah, dude, the thing with Kamara, I feel like we're in the age right now of just, you know, the most absurd player workout videos ever, particularly, you know, with kind of lockdowns going down, like people got creative to get the workouts. But Alvin Kamara has always had these insane, like just balanced drills. But then you actually see those kind of going out there on the field, like that touchdown on the screen he had against the Packers where he was just, you know. Back in week two, right? That was like the play of the year. It was amazing. My goodness, man, this guy's balance is absolutely incredible. And you're like, how does he have that good of balance? Like, oh, yeah, because he's standing on two freaking medicine balls and balancing something and hitting something with the baseball bat the whole time. Absolutely incredible athlete, man. All right. Storyline number five, we got the Eagles who are starting to get healthy and it's been a weird season for them because Carson Wentz was playing, I think some of the worst ball of his career to start the year. Then everyone got hurt and he actually started playing better. How did down week against the Cowboys before their bye? But now we're looking at the squad, Miles Sanders back seemingly, uh, Alshon Jeffrey apparently back, Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard got back before the bye. Obviously we got Travis Fulgham still playing at a high level. What do you kind of make of this Eagles team in week 10 and then also beyond? Yeah, I think uh, Carson Wentz is a chance to really slide up my quarterback board for the rest of season. So, you know, because they play in that division and they've still got division games left, you know, the schedule is favorable. And I actually think the Giants have been frisky on defense recently, as we've seen, not a pushover defense, but still, I think the the schedule is going to be just fine for Wentz going forward. Um, and so there are two guys that actually intrigue me on this offense. Three, three, three. Uh, because like, I, I would say that Miles Sanders intrigues me, but like, I just did my running back uh, board update and he's RB five, uh, RB four for the week for me. So like, yeah. of course he intrigues me. A really talented running back intrigues, but the three guys that are interesting, Dallas Goddard was nearly a full-time player in his debut uh, off of IR recently, but had just that one catch uh, in that game against the giants. I'm sorry. I'm forgetting who it was. Cowboys, uh, no, yeah. it wasn't the giants Cowboys. Yes. Um, the Sunday night game, but we, and I know you know this. Holy crap, this week sucks to, to rank tight ends. I have a huge Brutal. Travis Kelsey appreciation post coming up in the next – at some point I got to finish the, the, the final touches on it. But I miss you, Travis Kelsey, even if it's just a one-week <laughs> absence. Um, but beyond that, you've got um, – Dallas Goddard interested me. Jalen Rager is interesting to me too. He showed well early in the season. Ver- uh, vertical threat, a guy that the Eagles are definitely competent in. And then maybe just for one week I'm interested in Alshon Jeffrey, and here's why. It may have been each of his last two returns from injury, but I'm pretty sure last injury, his first game back, he went for like nine, eight and a touchdown when everybody was like, we're not sure, we'll even play a full allotment of snaps. So even if for one week, Alshon Jeffrey away has a lot to play for, if you look at his future, and he needs a really great half, a second half. Well, I guess it's only half of the season. Um, 
So uh, if I had to prioritize them, it's Goddard, Rager, Jeffrey, but I am interested in Alshon. I can't quit him yet. Field, this is this is bad news though, man, because we're losing Travis Fulgham. This guy this year has been, I'm looking at it right now. Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Tyreek Hill. Those are our wide receivers with more PPR points per game than Fulgham. I'm just trying to think about three wide receiver sets because Rager's the field stretcher on the outside. They got Ward in the slot, and seemingly Jeffrey's come back to the outside. That is Fulgham's job right now. Do you think we can get Fulgham as a big slot? Because to me, that's the only way this is going to work because, you know, I love Fulgham. He's been so good. He's been on this team for a month. Jeffrey's been there for three years. I'm with you. I think they're going to be putting him back out there, and Rager's not going anywhere. I'm just wondering, like, is Fulgham unfortunately going to be the guy that loses out here? I don't think he loses out. And here's, for first of all, you laid out all the stats that paint the picture why. But, all right, so Philadelphia's been desperate for – reinforcements on offense he's the only guy they can count on right now and you got like some of this is uh sort of like locker room management like if you're doug peterson are you really going to bench the one guy that got you through like i not that they were not that they've been great but seriously like where are they without travis Fulgham? and the answer is like probably still in the nfc east race but they're probably looking up at the giants or washington in the nfc east race so i think Fulgham stays around um so, and I, I don't think there's a scenario in which four Eagles or even like three and a half Eagles are relevant weekly in the passing game, but I think it's Fulgham plus Goddard until Zach Ertz returns, plus maybe one of the other two wide receivers weekly. If that makes sense. I'm giving also, guys yeah. half half uh, person things now which is just whatever i was about to say man all season we've been trying to find just one guy in this eagles office to do something and now suddenly it's like whoa we got three four maybe who yeah, knows but yeah, uh we got no, we got another crowded offense in tip and bay now so we saw the tb12 and ab coming out party just go about as bad as humanly possible anyone could have yeah. imagined but look we know it's going to be better days ahead too much talent for there not to be but the usage i mean just the extremely even usage all the way around was you know just not disconcerting, but it was interesting to see. How, who do you think ends up rising to the top of this passing game, if anyone, or are we just going to kind of continue to see this pretty evenly distributed target share? I think it'll be fairly evenly distributed, but I think it's Antonio Brown. It's a trust thing. It's a Brady eyes thing. It's, you know, it, he had, what, eight weeks? And I understand if people want to push back that Mike Evans wasn't healthy, but he basically had eight weeks with Mike Evans as the go-to guy and didn't happen except for in the red zone. And that saved him. And obviously Mike Evans is six foot five and great in the red zone. So he's going to be able to pull down some of those touchdowns, but it didn't happen. Uh, I said this to Matthew recently on our show, uh, Tom Brady, he's, he's my opinion, uh, you know, all time goat never will be replaced. I have a hard time envisioning him not being the greatest ever by the time he retires. Um, he already is in my book, but it was a lot more fun to play Tampa wide receivers with Jameis Winston. Yeah. <laughs> it just was. And I understand, like, and I get it. Jameis is, he's um, got a long ways to go before he's back as a franchise quarterback or anywhere close to the level of some of the guys that we're talking about right now, but it was way more fun last year. I think Antonio Brown is the best shot though, to rise to the wide receiver that like separates himself from the other two. Um, I would love to be wrong. I'd love for all three of them to be weekly top 25 considerations. But if, if it's this far into the year, like, am I, am I, what would lead me to believe that it's going to change now? And you, know, you got to feed Gronk too. And, you know, they're running the football enough. It's just there's so many guys there. I just have a hard time envisioning more than uh, two wide receivers being weekly lineup staples, even if we've ranked them close to that, just because, you know, the upside of them in this offense is still unique. It's just that we, we can see that it won't be three of them at the same week, if that makes sense. 
No, I hear you, man. And look, for Evans, it's been an uphill battle all season. After week one, they asked Bruce Arians, why didn't Mike Evans get more targets? And he said, I don't know. He, Bruce Arians said he feels sick every time Mike Evans finishes with fewer than 10 targets. Field, he's been feeling sick almost this entire season. That's only happened one time. Chris Goblin has a career low average target depth. To your point with Jameis, he was being used more as a downfield threat, now being used more like a regular slot receiver. So I am with you. You know, it was one week sample size, everyone, where all these guys had six, five targets. Expect AB to lead the way more weeks and not here moving forward. Forward. All right. Now we're moving on from TB12 back to his old team. Cam Newton got the job done against the Jets. He continues to absolutely get fed at the goal line. Jacoby Myers has been doing some awesome things over the past few weeks, but man, this is a passing game that's looked pretty awful, you know, for extended stretches this year. And now they got their toughest test yet with the Ravens on Sunday night. I mean, you know, I, we got to balance matchups and fantasy football, right? We can't let them decide everything, but is this a spot where you just almost want to stay away from anyone involved with the Patriots? Or do you think Cam's rushing usage, maybe Jacoby's volume can still win out? I think Jacoby Myers is a chance to be like a low end wide receiver for this week. So probably not start unless you play in a league with three wide receivers plus a flex. I play in a few leagues that are super deep. So I always got to measure, I got to balance my analysis, right? I understand that at least at ESPN, 90% of our consumers are, uh, our, our leagues are, are 10, 10 teams, we would call 10 team standard, which is now PPR scoring um, for us. So probably not going to make the radar there, but a um, couple things is like, I, I do expect something weird to happen in this game. Just feels like when the stars are aligning for them to be totally shut down on offense that like maybe somebody uh, bust out a little bit. One thing that we didn't see this past week that I was surprised by and actually Brian Greasy was talking about it during the game. It's like, wasn't it weird how little Cam was used as a runner this past week? I know he scored twice. I think he had six rushing attempts in total. I believe um, nine rushing attempts in total. I think five of them might have been sneaks. Um, and the sixth was the first five-yard touchdown run, which, you know, it was just sort of sloppy. It just wasn't a particularly – it wasn't the game – that we've seen from Cam as a runner at different stretches. Again, he made good for fantasy purposes. He was quarterback eight on the week. Very useful, obviously. Um, I would just like to see the Patriots do that more. Like, I would like to see the Patriots, and I get it. They're playing with, like, replacement replacement parts at wide receiver and tight end. I mean, literally Ryan Izzo is their only tight end right now that's playing. Um, but I would like to see them just spread things out a little bit more. Just feel like Cam can hurt you horizontally first and then turn that into vertical yardage feels like the Patriots have a lot of plays that are basically played between the hashes. And I just wonder if they can do a little bit more against this defense by opening things up a little bit. If you think all the way back to that Seattle game and Seattle's terrible defensively, that was how they made the most of their passing game. Everything is so hard to come by in this offense. Like even when they yeah. get the ball, even when Cam does get the ball downfield with someone, it's like they're usually just falling down after the catch. Demir Bird had an awesome like 10-yard curl that he then busted down the sideline. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's the first play I've seen in weeks of someone just really creating for them after the catch. So yeah, I'm with you, man. It, it is concerning seeing that rushing usage. And, you know, he did end up with uh, nine or 10 carries, but just 16 yards and two-year points. So many of those were just those basic sneaks. So, hey man, QB sneak, one of the more effective plays in football. But yeah, let's maybe open it up it a little bit we're, we're gonna need to see them uh, turn it up to another level to get out of this one in one piece all right pair of rookie quarterbacks that have really taken over the league this year justin herbert and joe burrow 
both exceeding expectations. If you look at just all the rookie quarterbacks we've ever seen, Herbert is number one in fantasy points per game. Burrow's number five. So even though if it might be Herbert over Burrow, you know, both these guys are just killing it. Tough matchups this week, though. We got Burrow against the Steelers. And Herbert, we haven't seen him floor yet, but now he's got to fly across the country to Miami and take on that underrated defense. Do you think both these guys can still be kind of QB ones they've been all season this week, or are you trying to look elsewhere? Yeah, I, I actually do think they will be. And I, Burrow, maybe I'm a little bit, a little bit more vulnerable um, only because if you look at Burrow, so last game before the bye, really great week before that solid enough, but he did have a mini stretch where he fizzled for two games back to back. So there's a little bit more, it's almost like proof of concept, right? Like Justin Herbert has not been solved at all. And I don't know that he is solvable right now because it's Keenan Allen. It's occasionally Mike Williams, but like Hunter Henry hasn't been great this year. Um, He's making Jalen Guyton look legit. Like, Jalen Balazs is his best running back right now. Just incredibly impressive from Justin Herbert. So, uh, I've already been involved with a handful of who would you build your team around amongst Herbert, Burrow, and maybe even, uh, well, potentially some of the guys from last year's draft class, Mm -hmm. and then factoring in Tua as well. Um, so I know this is a debate that's going to rage on for a long time, but for now, and specifically this week, Herbert, the preferred play of these two, but I think Burrow will be fine too. The volume is insane there. Like I know we don't talk about quarterback volume nearly as much as running back volume and wide receiver volume, but his attempts is stunning. Like it's crazy just how much they are throwing the football every single week. And a lot of that is as you talk about with game script, it's just so they're just so bad defensively. The game script's always going to be a factor. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, Burrow leading the league in dropbacks uh, per game at this point, and he's doing good with it. It's just, you know, can that pressure, can that Pittsburgh Blitzburg uh, pressure be enough to kind of be his kryptonite that we have seen for stretches? And, yeah, man, I was looking through the Dolphins matchup, and I see them, you know, having some good performances and not, and I look at the quarterbacks that have played well, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Russell yeah. Wilson, all went for 20-plus, and I was like, well, those are all pretty mobile guys. Justin Herbert's a pretty mobile guy, man. He's doing doing with his legs. He's also extending it off script. To your point, I mean, I, I keep expecting there to be a rookie, uh, you know, just floor game at some point from him. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe he is this good. So, Yeah, awesome he stuff. might be this good. And also, like, you know, they're going to play some goofy games where they're obviously what they're, what they're best at is blowing leads because <laughs> – but that's good, right? Because they're blowing leads because he's, he's, he is just firing out of the gates – uh, like Usain Bolt out of the tracks, right? But um, if they fall behind, then you love that, right? Like you love the idea of, of Justin Herbert being down 15 at halftime. Like I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I don't expect it to happen this week. Miami's offense is getting there, but the strength of their team, obviously, at least as you just mentioned, is the underrated defense. But uh, talk about like a, like a random fun game, right? Like random fun game. The Dolphins are going to be that my random fun team to watch every week now going forward. I like that call. I think the consensus fun game of this week could be the Seahawks and Rams because yeah. what Seahawks game isn't fun. Number one scoring offense, number 30 scoring defense, the biggest disparity between an offense and defense uh, scoring rank in the entire league, pretty much the inverse version of the Chicago Bears. But I mean, look, it's pretty much fancy Nirvana for anyone facing the Seahawks secondary. They can't really rush the passer and we've seen them exposed in man coverage as well. Facing this Rams offense that, you know, golf's been up and down a little bit, backfields yeah. all over the place. Who from this Rams offense do you want to start with confidence? this week so i think we have four wide receiver ones in this game potentially <laughs> obviously the two seahawks and then also robert woods and cooper cup feel good about them even if they're you know 
with, with Woods, the volume's always going to be there. With Cup, a little bit more touchdown dependent, but he's kind of due for some based off of his recent game stretch. So I'm in on the two Rams wide receivers. I'm in on Goff as my favorite streamer of the week. Baker, Baker's probably in the conversation too, um, but Goff would be my preference if I had the opportunity to grab him and replace, uh, you know, King Mahomes or Matt Ryan or anybody else uh, on bye this week, which would be Sam Darnold and uh, Andy Dalton. So you're not going to replace them, obviously. Uh, but what I would say is I have, so we're at week 10 and we talked earlier about some backfields that have been sort of confusing, like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, for example, but that's like a more recent trend. The Rams have been confusing in the backfield all season, right? Malcolm Brown busts out of the gates with two touchdowns in week one against the Cowboys. And Daryl Henderson looks like the most explosive runner. But then Cam Akers had nine touches late in their last game before their bye. Malcolm Brown's still going to be a thing. So I'm going to play Daryl Henderson um, because, again, I think he's the most talented of those three guys. But that's a nervous one for me. Like at week 10 with no pattern yet that we can discern as how to accurately forecast that backfield. That's going to be me. I'm going to be anxious playing him on, on, on Sunday. Like I don't feel great about, um, and I shouldn't say I don't feel great because I don't think there's a chance for upside, but just I'm nervous that this could end up being a, you know, each player in the backfield, Malcolm Brown could have a touchdown. You could see 10 Cam Akers touches and you could see, you know, 14 Daryl Henderson carries for 52 yards, and no touchdowns. So none of that would surprise me. So I'm definitely the two wide receivers and the quarterback though. It's mostly been a two RB system with Akers hurt <laughs> yeah. and then just not getting much run. But to your point, he did look pretty good with those opportunities. As we saw with DeAndre Swift, sometimes rookies get more work coming out of a bye. I do think it will be more of a three back system uh, than most moving forward. Only other point I'd make is maybe Josh Reynolds, like boomer bust wide receiver four. Yeah. He's done some decent things. And if there's ever is going to be a matchup, it's the Seahawks. Seahawks have allowed 300 more yards to wide receivers than any other team, even though they have already had a buy. It's absolutely madness. Field, last question, man. Thank you again for the time. You are running an NFL team. You don't have a coach or QB yet. So we're talking like a neutral situation. Ole Miss teammates, now they're taking over the NFL. Do you want A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf for the next decade? Yeah, I love the question when you sent it along before the show. Um, I'm taking D.K. And I'm probably going to ride the – it's a little bit of recency bias because – this feels like we were talking about earlier with like the Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara conversation. Um, I'm taking DK and here's the really simple tiebreaker that I came up with. AJ Brown's hurt right now. And I know he's, he's still playing, but you know, you just get a little bit worried about bum knees. Right. And you hope it's not a, it doesn't turn into a thing that bothering him in perpetuity. I know you've been all over his, uh, his practice sort of the, 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 the practice flows is consistent now. Yeah. Practice is Wednesday sits out Thursday, which I believe is the day they have pads on. Practices Friday, plays on Sunday, in this case, a play on Thursday. But if we're looking for the smallest of nits to pick, uh, that would be one. I don't think this is like something that's going to bother him for the rest of his career. And I know the DK Metcalf had a very serious neck issue in college, but based off what I've seen so far, <clears throat> can't believe that it's going to be a problem for him going forward. Seems to have uh, avoided that. Uh, but I really enjoy watching both of them play. And uh, I maybe think this. <clears throat> or we probably, I probably look back and say this about other years, but the pool of talent that the NFL has right now across the board, I don't hate, I don't mean to use the word marketable in the sense that like these guys are commodities or that like their brand matters more than their ability, but just the idea that like, if you were to go to the average fan, he or she would know a lot more names right now that are built to last than they might five years ago. The league just feels littered with stars that we can look forward to for a decade. Like 
almost every team has a handful of blue chip talents. And that to me is really exciting. And DK specifically is a guy that I think really checks that box. 100% man. The Titans like don't necessarily have just a poster <laughs> boy, but Derrick Henry, John Hugh Smith, AJ Brown, just monsters when they got the ball in their hands and all the totally. highlights. Uh, yeah. AJ Brown, not hundred percent has been hurt. And he did look better with his yak last week. I thought than he has oh, yeah. all year. And that's, what's been wild about him still having such a good year. You know, we're seeing more of that red zone chemistry. You know, I, I've just been such an AJB wide receiver one truther. I am going to stay with my guy, but look, if you have either you one turn back now, right? exactly man and you're feeling pretty good about either choice so field that's gonna do it man thank you again for the time you got anything you want to pitch before you head out no i just want to appreciate i want to say i appreciate you having me on and uh, keep doing what you do i know everybody who listens to this podcast already listens to you already follows you on twitter but uh you entertain me consistently <laughs> it's about all i can ask for man because i uh i got a lot of accounts that i'm following and there are some that stand out above the rest so i appreciate what you do and all your insight and uh Let's keep grinding out this season. Obviously, we know it's a long eight weeks ahead. We're feeling good about things. So let's go out there and win some championships. Appreciate that, man. I know myself and all listeners feel the same way about your always useful account. So thank you again for the time, man. He's Field Yates. I'm Ian Hart. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for listening. We bring you new episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Best of luck in week 10 and beyond, everyone. Until next time, take care. 